Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo boo, sit, boo boo, sit. That's some bad hat, Harry. It's a cool show. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from your life. No, we're bad. No, we're No, we're bad. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Mandalorian Season 1. How are you doing, Damask? I'm exhausted. Oh, why is that? Because I've just moved house literally yesterday. And you have. made me get up early to do this this morning, so thank you for that, Brad. I'm so sorry. How are you? I'm good. Uh, getting used to this new space. Mm-hmm. This is our first time in this new it is. spare bedroom setting. This half-constructed space. Half-constructed space. I'd say it's a bit echoey at the moment. It is. I'm thinking maybe if I put some tapestries on the walls. Some tapestries. I could even like, this is a spare room, right? Mm-hmm. I could probably find some like insulated foam and Okay, we're not, we're not doing the, that. Well, just pop on the wall. It'll it, look nice. It won't look nice. It <laughs> will look disgusting. Uh, what if I paint a tapestry on it? That's then- even worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you've moved house. How are you finding it so far? Apart from the actual horror of moving. Yeah, the house is lovely. I love it. Yeah. But, it's yeah. a good area. It it's is? on the same street, technically, as I my know. house. What is it, five-minute drive? Uh, closer to 10, I think. Depends. Oh, really? Well, it depends on what I found out today. Mm. Uh, I have to cross a couple of busy streets with lots of traffic lights, mm. but also at least one railway line that tends oh, to have a lot of trains going through. Yeah. So, I, got, I hit boom gates today. Mm. I, think, um, I feel like that's just bad. an excuse because you were late this morning. No, sure. that was. I was like, I'm going to get there on time. Sure, I also sure, sure. parked three streets down because I thought – I didn't put in Google Maps. I'm like, I don't need Google Maps. I know where the house is. And then I parked like three streets Good too job. early. Also, you know I have a car park, right? Yeah. Oh, you don't have a car. I could have just parked straight yeah. in that. <laughs> oh, so, I was thinking to myself, oh, I don't want to park in somebody else's spot. No. Fair enough. How was your Christmas and New Year? Um, Christmas was great. I saw Cats the Musical. On Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Well, Christmas was night. It was time. We got all dressed up and it was fucking amazing. It was one of the best times I've ever had at the cinemas and I recommend everyone go see it. How how many people were at the cinema? It was just myself and my friends. That was it. Yeah, and there That's was a, a couple who had taken their eight-year-old child to it and I think I can't imagine what was going through that kid's head. But <laughs> as a row of adults drunkenly were screaming and yelling at the screen. That's great. hilarious. It was a really good time. How was yours? Uh, it was good. Yeah, just home with the family. That was nice and... Uh, back here for New Year's, just chilling out with friends, playing board games. It was mm. wonderful. Delightful. What did you do for New Year's? I uh, went to parties and then watched oh, fireworks. Right. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, fireworks. Mm, controversial. Country, country's burning. Mm. Let's just blow up some stuff. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, let's get to our spoiler-free review of The Mandalorian Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. 
Mandalorian is an American space western television series and flagship launch title of the new streaming service Disney Plus that premiered on November 12th, 2019. Set in the Star Wars universe, the first live-action TV show to do so, the series takes place five years after the events of Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, and 25 years prior to the events of Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and follows the exploits of a mysterious Mandalorian bounty hunter beyond the reaches of the New Republic. John Favreau serves as creator, head writer, and showrunner, as well as executive producer, alongside Kathleen Kennedy, Colin Wilson, and notably Dave Filoni, who created The Clone Wars, Rebels, and Resistance Star Wars animated shows, and was a director on a number of Avatar The Last Airbender Season 1 episodes. Filoni is considered by some to be George Lucas's heir apparent in terms of continuing the Star Wars myth- mythos he started. The show stars Pedro Pascal as the masked gunslinger, alongside an impressive larger cast, including Carl Weathers, Werner Herzog, Nick Nolte, Gina Carano, Amy Sedaris, Ming-Na Wen, Natalia Tenner, Clancy Brown, Richard Ayoade, Giancarlo Esposito, and Taika Waititi as bounty hunter droid IG-11 and director of the season finale. The Mandalorian Season 1 consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 40 minutes. The shortest is 33, and the longest is 49. So a bit of a disparity there. And took us approximately five hours and 20 minutes to watch. Jon Favreau has confirmed The Mandalorian will return for a second season late in 2020. So before we get into our spoiler-free review, Damask, what's Mm. your relationship with Star Wars? You've seen the movie. Movies, are you a fan? Mm-hmm. The animated shows, the expanded universe, you know, um, that stuff? Yeah, so obviously I grew up watching Star Wars. We had we taped um A New Hope on the old VCR when it was playing on television. This is back in the day when George Lucas actually allowed that to happen. So it was really, really early nineties. Yep. Um, including ads. It was fabulous. Um and before all of the changes were made, which is oh, nice. Before the special editions, yeah. yeah. Before we went and saw them at the movies. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really cool. So I'm very familiar with A New Hope, um, probably more so than the others. But, yeah, grew up watching Star Wars. Went and saw, obviously, the prequels at the cinema, which was a mm-hmm. huge thing. As a kid, I loved The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. And then as the other ones came out, I grew older and realized I wasn't interested very much. I mean, because pod racing as a kid was very exciting. Oh, totally. Um, so that was cool. But, the yeah. Phantom Menace, I... Adored the Phantom Menace. Yeah, back in the day. I, I was such a huge fan of it as a kid. Um, but yeah, the other two didn't really. I've probably watched them maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. Well, def, definitely once, but maybe twice because I just realized that I didn't like them at all. Mm-hmm. I've tried to watch Clone Wars. Um, it was a bit slow, but I really want to go back and try again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? And obviously, like Carrie Fisher is very important to me. Totally. As an icon, oh, and you enjoyed. Well, you enjoyed the Force Awakens in terms of the sequel stuff. I did. I was very excited with Force Awakens. I thought it was really fun. Um, re-energized me. Mm-hmm. And then the next one came out. What is it? The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't like that very much. I like parts of it, but yeah, it didn't really grab me. Um, and then the Rise of Skywalker, I thought was fucking shit. <laughs> so there you go. Had did you see Solo or Rogue One? I saw Rogue One. I thought it was terribly paced and stitched together. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other one? Solo. Yeah, Solo, a Star Wars story. I don't care about Han Solo unless it's Harrison Ford. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about his backstory. Anyway, that was my fair enough. On that. Uh, similar, lifelong Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Was born five years after Return of the Jedi was released. But my older brother, half brother, who's about seventeen or eighteen years my older, my older, mm-hmm. he grew up with it. Right. So 
That's cool. Inherited a lot of his fandom directly from him. Mm. And really, it wasn't hard to find other people who were Star Wars fans around me. Mm. As like a boy, you know, white yeah. boy, massive nerd Star I had older Wars. older brothers. So yeah. It was, yeah. Easy to be fans. Definitely remember watching the original trilogy on TV. Um, went and saw the re-releases, the special editions at the cinemas mm. before the prequels came out. That was out. fun. That yeah. was a, seeing, I remember seeing those with my dad and him taking mm. me to see those. And that was incredible to see them on the big screen. And definitely it's probably where... I really became a massive Star Wars fan. Mm. Um, you know, got the special editions on DVD and stuff. I really remember those more than the originals. Like the special editions, the DVD or the original VHS release in like 997 mm-hmm. are sort of my version as much as yeah. there are things in there that you now look at and go, oh, I wish they didn't do that. That was the version yeah, I know. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, other than A New Hope that we had taped off the TV. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, the newer versions are definitely what I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you... When I remember seeing The Phantom Menace day one, mm. um, loving it, mm-hmm. watching I know that movie word for word still yeah. because I've watched it so many times. I've watched the DVD version. Just the way Natalie Portman says Viceroy always <laughs> sticks in my head. Viceroy. Uh, yeah, the extended pod race sequence and stuff like that. Mm. Love Jewel of the Fates, love that fight. Uh, even Attack of the Clones. I went Darth Maul was so cool. Darth Maul was amazing. Yeah. That's, that's one of the best examples alongside Sonic the Hedgehog of – a character that gets by Having just spikes. on design. Oh, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> but, like, design has made mm. that thing iconic without it being all that special. Yeah. Like, um, the Sonic games aren't all that great, but that character endures. And Darth Maul, similar, mm. is, like, a completely wasted character. I digress. Uh, the f- He's in Clone Wars or something, isn't he? Spoilers, but he shows up in a lot of places in the expand. Oh, like I didn't the know extra that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. His story is not done, let's just I don't say. know where he, what he does. Well, no, I've, I mean, I've seen the image of his cartoon self. He even shows up in one of the movies afterwards. I won't See. say which one, our spoilers, yeah. Oh, okay. Ah, I'll tell you later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the Attack of the Clones, saw that. I know that word for word as well. I, also, I think I also just didn't understand what was happening in Attack of the Clones. It was so confusing to me. Mm. Mm, yeah, sure. It I don't was. know. I've watched it. I've absorbed yeah. it so many times to know it. And then I remember, I remember counting down and waiting for um, the Revenge of the Sith to come out, and mm. that was a big deal. And like, mm-hmm. like I didn't sit, watch trailers. I would leave the cinema when trailers came on, stuff you like would. that, because That's I was a like, I, thing to do. I don't want to be spoiled for this thing where we know how it's going to end because we know what happens in episode <laughs> four, sort of thing. And like I said, such a broad thing to do. Yeah. And a lot of people consider that to do the best in the prequel trilogy. I probably watch it once, I think. I've seen it the least by mm. a wide margin. Like I've seen it a few times. Should we watch it? I've watched it recently. Oh, you, god damn it. All right. We can do it again if you like. I might go back and watch the prequels. I'm I'm trying to watch them all in like chronological order, yeah. order at the moment. After mm. seeing episode 9, I want to go back and see that again. I'm kind of like making myself sit through the whole saga. Anyway. I'm not going to back to the cinema for that. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to at least once. Oh, probably not for a while. We why, keep getting, why are you rewarding their bad behaviour? I don't know. I'll go like with a $10 ticket, like okay. late in the run. It's not going to mm. be, I'm not rushing out to get there. Right. I've got plenty of Star Wars to watch mm. Disney+. Plus. I continue. <laughs> At that point, I think I started to realise that the prequels weren't very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, I was like, oh, these mm. aren't that great. And I've since slow come to really appreciate how terrible they are. you a bad relationship. <laughs> yes. yeah. You're like, oh no, yes. I wasted... Six years of my life. Yeah. That being said, got mm. very excited when the sequel trilogy was announced. Loved The Force Awakens. Mm. Saw it five times at the cinemas, I Good think. Good luck. I think um, it was like twice, yeah. And then uh, Return of the Jedi, came, we've talked about that extensively on the podcast, came out of it. Mm-hmm. Was not sure how I felt about it first. Now, 
probably my second favorite Star Wars film after Empire Strikes Back. Wow. I adore it. Cool. I was reading stuff yesterday about it because there's so much discussion about that and the new one. And reading about some of the scenes gave me tingles. Like, I love You started so masturbating? Many. You're like, fuck yeah, that's good stuff. What else are you meant to do when you get tingles? Exactly. Like, don't waste that feeling, <laughs> guys. No matter where you are, just start masturbating. In terms of beyond that, I did read some of the like YA stuff back in the day when mm. I was really into the prequels. Cool. But none of that counts anymore. All that extended universe stuff has been mm. wiped from the slate since Disney's taken over. I've not really watched a lot of the Clone Wars. I watched bits and pieces. Mm. I'm a more than casual Star Wars fan. Is yes. what all of that was meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> that and thing, just yes. like a Star Wars fan, God, you talk and talk about it. Cannot stop talking about it. <laughs> if you've been on my Twitter feed in the last couple of Remember weeks, you'll know. After um, the Last Jedi, mm. and you're like, you know what? I'm done as a, like as a fan of Star Wars with the like, toxicity around it. You're like, I'm I am done, done as a with fan it. Of Star Wars. But yeah, that's and I've I've told you this. I'm like, you're still a fan of Star oh, Wars. I'm done with the. Fa- I'm done with fandoms. Full stop. Yeah, the idea it's fanaticism. Of it's not fandom. It's fanaticism and it's fucking intense and crazy. Just to put a, uh, a timestamp on this, have you seen what the um, the hashtagging on Twitter is today? Apart from <laughs> no, I've been too busy from marketing. unpacking things. What's going on? Uh, release the JJ cut. There's this Reddit oh, thread no. <laughs> about apparently some insider and it's almost definitely completely bullshit. Yeah, of course it About is. like the JJ Abrams cut that Disney came and fucked up and that's why the no. was shit. It's like, no, no, no. no, okay. no. That's, not, that's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> but I do remember mm. after the prequels finished or even during their release, mm. there was talk that George Lucas was developing a live action Star Wars series that was going to be set between episodes three and four. And it was talked about the ages. It was going to be set in like the seedy underbelly of like Coruscant. It was going to be about bounty hunters and stuff like that. Probably followed by Buffett sometimes. Yeah, I remember you telling me that it's coming out and I was not interested at all. It was talked up for the longest time. It was one of those Mm. things that every year or so people would go, is that Star Wars live action show show still coming? It's like, yeah, Yeah. it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Mm. Never eventuated. Um, The animated shows happened, obviously, but not the live action stuff. So the Mandalorian is kind of a big deal. It birthed from the fact they were actually going to make a uh, a Boba Fett movie, right? Mm. That has since evolved into what the Mandalorian is. They sort of mm-hmm. got gun shy after the solo Star Wars story did not make very much money at all. Yeah, because who cares? Um, and so they turned it into this TV series to launch Disney Plus, and that's pretty exciting to me. I've always wanted a live action Star Wars series. So yeah. with that in mind, twelve minutes later, uh, Damask. <laughs> Could you please give your spoiler-free review of The Mandalorian at Season 1? Absolutely. All right. The Mandalorian is an episodic adventure show that brings it all together in the end. Much like a TV great we know and love, Buffy. This show dedicates plenty of its short run to world building and character rumination. In those episodic weeks, we are able to simply spend time with a character, see them in a myriad of adventures and scenarios, get to know their quirks and ideals. You have enough breathing room to make up your own mind about who they are without worrying that we're wasting time not getting to the larger plot. I have most definitely, as we were talking about earlier, watched A New Hope more than any other Star Wars film. And what I enjoyed about it was being introduced to the world, spending time as Ben explains things to Luke, seeing all the crazy, intriguing and threatening creatures in the cantina 
And I always wanted that feeling in the other films. I wanted greater exploration of the world. I mean, great big destiny with a capital D stories are often great as well, but with a galaxy full of possibilities and endless planets with their own unique cultures to discover, I always thought the films were a bit wasteful. But I finally get what I want with The Mandalorian. I get to explore the galaxy with a bounty hunter with a heart of gold. This show is fun. It is an adventure. It makes you feel like you're 11 again, and that's a pretty rare and special feeling in terms of the TV landscape at the moment. And don't get me wrong, I love a convoluted and highly dramatic show. But the simplicity of this show takes you back to a time of good, clean storytelling, But now we have all the bells and whistles of Pig TV. Thank you, huge budgets. It's not perfect and certainly not to everyone's taste, but if you're looking for fun with a big heart, this show will most definitely satisfy. Very nice. I'm happy to hear that because we hadn't really spoken about it. We haven't. Uh, It's been, you know, going on for eight, nine weeks now. Mm. And I was fascinated to see what your reaction would be because as a the biggest Star Wars fan between us. I'm like, how much of this is just me projecting my <laughs> love for Star Wars onto it? And yeah. that's why I enjoy it so much. So I'm happy to hear. Because I, mm. I agree with you about the similarities to episode four. And I agree with you just about the potential within the Star Wars universe mm. to tell stories away from the Skywalkers and away from the Rebellion even. Yeah. And just like, look at some... There's so many different characters that exist in this universe um, and other worlds to explore. So... Actually getting to do that and not feeling beholden to that mm-hmm. other stuff all the time is so refreshing. Yeah. All right. Here we go. All right, everyone, buckle in. This Make is- sure you got water and food. <clears throat> this is going to take a couple of days. Get ready. <laughs> I said it best in a tweet last week. The Mandalorian is not the hero we deserve, but the one Star Wars, Star Wars needs right now. A lot of pressure was placed upon the shoulders of this series. Not only was it the first live-action Star Wars show, it was also the flagship launch title of would-be Netflix killer Disney+. The pressure was only amplified when Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, a saga-ending final movie in the most beloved film franchise of all time, was utterly terrible in almost every conceivable (laughs) manner. But I digress. As the fandom splintered around the Star Wars sequel trilogy, somehow it united its affection for The Mandalorian, and with good reason. Jon Favreau and his team are doing very little that you might consider groundbreaking with this show, but that might be the genius of it. I find it refreshing and admirable when storytellers swing for the fences, attempt something new and try to break the mold, but sometimes it's just as valuable to get the basics of good storytelling right, and The Mandalorian gets the basics right from the very beginning. Our first step into the show couldn't be more cliché. A gudslinger walks into a seedy saloon and has a run-in with some rough customers. It's literally a scenario we've seen a hundred times before, including within Star Wars. But it's a cliche because it works. It effectively introduces our lead character, gives us an intriguing premise, he accepts the call to adventure, and off we go. And throughout, Favreau just implicitly understands that little moments can go a long way. A beat involving the unscrewed grip of a lever wordlessly sells a character-defining moment in the story and exemplifies the simple, neat, reliable storytelling at the foundations of this show. None of this is original, of course. It's built on the back of that which has come before. Many online pundits have already pointed out the similarities to other beloved pop culture touchstones. Yes, westerns and samurai movies, but more specifically shows like Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and Xena Warrior Princess, Firefly. I mean, is he flying a headless knockoff of Serenity? Because it certainly looks like (laughs) it. Cowboy Bebop, you mentioned Buffy, the Mm. lists of obvious influences on tone, structure, and even setting go on. 
also, a lot of those shows fucking great. Yeah, they are. Yeah. There's something about just those, I don't know, cheesy adventure shows that mm. we haven't had in a while, at least in my experience. Yeah. And I do know there are shows out there that probably hit that mark for some people. I think some mm. of the um, CW DC shows mm. probably do that to some degree. That's true, yeah. Um, I think like... But I'm not watching that. This The idea of an epic, so... Something that it just goes over a long period of time, mm. but without needing to be like world saving, is just nice to watch sometimes. Totally, yeah. And it also it feeds back even to what Star Wars is. This mm. is getting outside of what I've written. Star Wars is based on old serial mm-hmm. like dramas, right? Also yeah. adventure series, like pulpy you, stuff. Yeah, like pulpy stuff. You go to the cinemas and have that opening mm-hmm. crawl. This is episode whatever, Flash Gordon or whatever it might be. Yeah. And this really builds on that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, we come in and check out this adventure where we left off last time. And it is not necessarily an epic. It is just the adventure of these characters Mm. and what are we doing next. Uh, Also, similarly to those shows, this is another great example of the joys of episodic TV. Mm. While eps often uh, move from one to another with ease, a few less so than others, they almost always stand out as having their own identity, easily distinguishable from one another by their contained little adventure or unique elements. This is true of The Mandalorian as a whole within the greatest story that is the Star Wars franchise. Like HBO and Damon Lindelof's Watchmen, The Mandalorian is both faithful to and original in its approach to being a Star Wars story. For example, visually the show is extremely Star Wars. The spaceships, Mm. guns, planets, aliens, etc. are mostly very familiar and while perfectly appealing, fall pretty in line with how Star Wars generally looks, especially the original Star Wars Episode Four, as you talked about. But while its visual visuals hold course, the music is notably different. Mm. So often, Star Wars side stories either try to emulate or wholesale reuse the iconic work of John Williams. I mean, who can blame them? That being said, there is something wonderfully refreshing about Ludwig Göransson's who's famous for Community, Happy Endings, Creed by Yeah, Panther. Ludwig, our good friend Ludwig. Ludwig, we love Ludwig. Mm-hmm. Uh, whistly, spaghetti western score being so far removed from what we normally get from this franchise. Not to mention the main theme is ridiculously catchy and it's been stuck in my head for about two months. The Mandalorian also has the confidence to let the visuals do the work. There are definitely plenty of meaty dialogue scenes, but there are just as many moments where nobody is saying a word, yet everything we need to know is there on the screen and in the music. A standout example of this is an episode that begins with an 11 and a half minute stretch, which is about a third of the runtime of that episode, I might add, that is completely devoid of any understandable spoken language whatsoever. All of this works because of the excellent visual direction, but also because of the impressive cast, who all seem to know exactly what sort of 90s adventure show they are in. Special mention needs to go to Pedro Pascal, the man behind our faceless protagonist, for translating so much emotion from behind his his impenetrable helmet. While I'm mostly gushing, or completely gushing, the show is far from perfect. A criticism I do have is that the dialogue and performances can sometimes come across as basic or even clunky. This could be a huge problem for some, but mostly... Not always. I found this added to the dorky charm of the show. Mm. At the end of the day, the Mandalorian knows what it is and is doing it well. It's just the right mix of weird, funny, exciting, and heartfelt, just like Star Wars should be, with decent, sometimes even great action for a TV show of this style. And for fans of Star Wars, it's exactly what we needed right now. As much as it's fun to point out all those little references and details in each frame, and there are a lot, um, what can edge on fan servicey at times, the show does revel in the details, expanding the lore of the universe in subtle but meaningful ways. Again, I digress. It's the competent, confident, fun storytelling in the galaxy of Star Wars that goes a long, long way. 
I had a few topics I want to talk about before we get into sports because I think there's a, no, little, there's a lot don't. we can talk about beforehand. <laughs> Jeez Louise. First of all, mm. uh, I want to talk about the directors of this yes. show. Because mm-hmm. while most episodes are written by John Favreau, mm-hmm. uh, there are a few different directors. He doesn't actually direct any episodes. Mm-hmm. We have Dave, Dave Filoni, who I mentioned earlier, as mm-hmm. being sort of like mm-hmm. the would-be heir apparent to um, George Lucas. He directed episode one, I think episode five. Um, Rick Fa- Famuyiwa. Fami- Nailed that Fa- one. Famuyiwa. Yep. Uh, he directed two episodes. Mm-hmm. First He's person of color. First to person of color. To live action. Absolutely. Star Wars. We have mm-hmm. Deborah Chow, who first also directed woman <laughs> to direct a live action Star Wars. And yep. she uh, has what Asian heritage. It's obviously. amazing how easy it is to do that when you just do it. You're like, you know what? We should have some diversity. She's also. I mean, she, the, both of them do fantastic jobs with their episodes, mm. well, and they're and just she's, like very talented people. They are, and she's going to go on to direct the Obi Wan Kenobi I Disney saw Plus that series on her as well. IMDb. I was very which excited, I'm extremely excited about. Mm. Bryce Dallas Howard gets an episode. Uh, yes. And Taika Waititi. First red-headed white woman. To, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But. <laughs> and Taika Waititi also, another mm-hmm. man of colour. So it's interesting you look at that and go, it's a very diverse mm, it's um, nice. list of directors and they all fucking knock it out of the park mm. and show exactly how ridiculous it is that this doesn't happen more often. Yes, there honestly. is an abundance of talent out there and they don't all look like white men. 100%. Um, I also want to ask, because we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. how did you feel about this show being released episodes week by week? Great question. Um, I this is a, a point of I, difference for I, Disney Plus. Yeah, I started maybe four weeks behind. So I think I watched the first two episodes t- together, which I think were they re- released that way? Uh, only in Australia. Okay. So, it, so they were released individually, but we didn't get Disney Plus until a week after. So there were okay. two episodes waiting for us. Yep. So I watched one and two. Um with Angela, and that was really fun. But then I had to go to work, which was sad. Um, and then work. after that, yeah, like episode by episode, I really enjoyed it. I was like, because Angela and I would watch it together, and when a new one would come out, we're like, oh, yes, all right, we've got an episode of The Mandalorian to watch. And it was a fun little weekly adventure that we could have. It's kind of like, because every episode has, yeah, it's distinct kind of story. Mm-hmm. We're in it. We're in a different place. We're meeting different people, that type of thing, like the, your classic, you know, Xena's and Hercules kind of episodes. Um, and it's nice to kind of do that week by week because it does have that vibe of like, what adventure did we go on this week? Oh, 100%. yes, of course. Like, I think it added to it. Like you were saying about like sometimes the acting slash dialogue is a bit hokey. Mm-hmm. It adds to the vibe of like, and this show knows what it is yeah. and it executes it so beautifully, which is why I think it, it could be a bad show, but because it's like masterfully constructed, yeah. no matter like even if the genre is hokey adventure stories, it's still great to watch. It's good storytelling. If the storytelling, if the they weren't getting the basics right, yeah. the rest of it would become a problem. Well, but that's, because that's what it, makes a good storyteller is yeah. that you, you understand the basics of storytelling. So, yeah, sure, you can go off and write something way more complex, um, but you, you absolutely understand the basics. So, when you pull it back and just you write something like this or direct something like this, you know, it shows that you're a master of your craft. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, the other reason I think I really appreciate, I'm glad that maybe Disney Plus is going to keep doing this. They seem to with mm. all their content that they've launched with is releasing week by week. The dialogue around it has been constant. Mm-hmm. A lot of people yes. have re- referenced back to like Stranger Things season three mm. came and went 
it sort of was there. Maybe there was a week of discussion about it and mm-hmm. it was gone. Yeah. And like it was a reasonably big event, but I feel like every time you do that, the more you do it, and I wonder if this is why shows on Netflix only last a couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Because at first it's everyone discovering the show and that can take a few weeks if the dialogue lasts a while. Mm-hmm. But then by the time season two and season three comes out, we might still be there, but then it disappears just as quickly. And then it kind of just evaporates until the next one. By the time you get back to it a year or so later, it's like maybe that excitement's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, this has spent eight weeks being talked about every Constantly. week. Everyone's anticipating the next episode. Everyone's mm-hmm. got opinions, even when the episode's not as and good as the last. And the thing is, like, you may not have got Disney Plus immediately, but after four weeks of people constantly talking about exactly. a show, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to give it a try. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's been immensely fun as well. And mm. there's an element of this show that we haven't even discussed yet that has taken the internet by storm. Storm mm. that again probably would have been a massive hit if it was all released at once. But now, again, every week we just get to update mm. on this thing and go, geez, how cool was that? Or yeah. wasn't this amazing? And it just it builds. It's but, and I also think like, yes, it that element that we're talking about might have been a big thing for that week or whatever. But you know, like you, people get so tired of, you know, people overusing a meme mm-hmm. or a, a thing they really love. So I think I think within two weeks it would have been seen as lame and annoying mm-hmm. but getting new aspects of that yeah. thing every week you're like oh but then this thing happened you're exactly. like yes i agree <laughs> every week yeah i i really really appreciate this i think it's been so much more fun to watch mm. this community like this yeah and i hope netflix amazon prime all you start taking note mm-hmm. the week-to-week thing is not bad not everything needs to be binge model sometimes it serves the story to piecemeal it out and let us absorb it together mm-hmm. rather than it be a flash in the pan that's gone the next week. Mm. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into spoilers? No, let's just get there. Final score for you out of five stars, Damask. Uh, yeah, I am going to give it a four just because mm-hmm. I think, it. yeah, like I said, it absolutely knows what it is, um, knows what it wants to be and just yeah, executes it perfectly. Um, well, not perfectly. There are some things. That otherwise, it'd be a five. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, like, it's really hard to fault what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I think the rational score is four. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Here we go. But I have enjoyed it. Five million. Too much. I'm going to give it four and a half. And mostly because it's probably the most fun I've had mm-hmm. watching a show That's this nice. year. I like, the, is this on the level of... Watchmen or Russian Doll or something else we've watched mm. this year. No, it doesn't hit. Well, we're in a new year, Broad. Remember that? Not when we watch this show. Oh, I mean, <laughs> oh, really? It came out before yeah, the, the end. last okay. episode was on the December 27th. There you go. Uh, but mm. I, yeah, it might be the most fun I've had watching a show this year. And so I'm going to give it a 4.5. That's lovely. Which is definitely boosted by my Star Wars fandom. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning! Everything that happens in season one of The Mandalorian, discussing from here on, we will be watching all of The Mandalorian up to this point before listening. We recommend done so if you have not. Proceed with caution. Spoilers ahead. There are. Be warned. warned you, you have. have deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. There's one key element of this show that we. Deliberately did not discuss any data. Daren't. Daren't. Mm. As much as I made the argument before we started that everyone knows about this already, mm-hmm. we figured it is a reveal at the end of episode one. It is. And, um, just and the- while I didn't get to experience that because stupid internet, uh, mm. if you haven't seen it, it's worth it. Yeah. Well, even the other day we were at, I think, Christmas breakfast or whatever. A friend mm. of ours didn't know the- about the existence of this aspect of the show. And that, of course is the child, mm. also known affectionately on the internet as Baby Yoda. I think on the internet exclusively known as Baby Yoda, really. I think it's an easy touchstone to go, oh, it's a Baby Yoda, though. Yeah. Like, that's where it comes from. Oh, I, I love the rage behind, it's not Baby Yoda. <laughs> I'm like, we all know it's not fucking Baby Yoda. It's just an adorable name for an adorable creature. I'm sure there are some people who don't know that, who think this is set at a time when maybe it's like it is young Yoda, <laughs> if they're not paying close enough attention to mm. like, the timeline, stuff like that, but whatever. We call it's it Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, it's so Fine. cute. Does, Yoda doesn't have a species. We can't call it anything else. Yeah. It doesn't have a name yet. We may get that one mm. day. So, let's start with Baby Yoda. Um, it's amazing to me that they kept this out of the any of the promotional material for this show. Mm. And even more incredible that they didn't have anything merchandise made up beforehand. Yeah. Now, there's two possible reasons for this. Mm-hmm. Because this thing has caught fire. Everyone... Freaking baby loves Yoda fever, baby, baby Yoda. Mm. The world is on fire because of it. All uh, right, we're in Australia, so oh, good point. Uh, the internet, mm-hmm. uh, the either they were deliberately 
trying to keep it a secret, mm-hmm. as in to keep the the plot integrity intact, mm-hmm. which if true, congratulations, or they weren't sure how it was going to be received and didn't make any toys because they didn't know if it was going to go down well, well or not. Well, I think because there is the whole, you know, anger slash argument about, you know, the, the cuteness mm. factor that has plagued Star Wars or some people feel like it's plagued Star Wars um, since the Ewoks. I disagree. I fucking love Ewoks. Sure. I'm like, killer teddy bears. Fuck yes. Give me, give me more. Um, but yeah, some people see it very cynically like, oh, oh, what were those things from um, Last Jedi? The Porgs. Por- Porgs. Hmm. Now, I didn't like them very much. They sure. felt like um, Star Wars minions to me. Sure. And I didn't particularly appreciate that just because I find minions incredibly annoying. Um, but I, I don't know. like. Yeah, I think there was like they're worried about the cynical view of if you see a show and it's got this baby Yoda, people are going to be like, oh, it's just for the cute factor. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all just for merchandising or whatever. So, yeah, maybe that was uh, considered when talking about how they were going to market this thing. So, why does it work so well? Why does is baby Yoda so effective? And I will call it baby Yoda. I know yeah, it's called the child and the thing. No, I'm gonna no, we're going to call it baby Yoda. Why does baby Yoda work so well in The Mandalorian? Well, for one, the character's design is beautiful and the fact that it's a puppet, also stunning. But also I think it's simply the relationship between Mando and baby Yoda. You Mm -hmm. have this absolutely like symbol of stoicism looking after, who's like face you never seen, looking after just a face, the most, the cutest little face in the world. It's just eyes and, and ears. That's as, it. as a viewer, as a person enjoying a story, all you want is for them to hug mm-hmm. or to like Mando to give him like little kisses on his forehead. That's all you want as a viewer, but you can't. But so it's watching, yeah, those two like the oh, absolute heart and then this kind of like big brave bounty hunter come together. And it's just that, that, that tension that just. Oh my god, you love it so fucking much. That's why I think it works. There is something incredibly powerful about that—the simplistic mm. nature of that. And but and it's crazy to me that this is ultimately the the two main characters of our story. Mm. There are a lot of other characters that come and go, mm-hmm. but the only two characters that are in every single episode mm-hmm. are this guy in a helmet whose face we can't see mm-hmm. and a fucking puppet. Yeah, like that's it. That's what we're working on. And somehow the expressions we get out of that puppet, though, like unparalleled. Like I'm thinking, like when I watched the Dark Crystal. Yes, that was hilarious because they had no facial movement really at all. Their mouths opened up. That was about it. Um, But like the expressions we get out of Baby Yoda are just so wonderful. I could cry. (laughs) Like his look of joy or concern or wonder, and I just oh. The thing is, like, because I knew about Baby Yoda before I started watching the show. Sure. Because I was a couple of weeks behind. Mm-hmm. And everyone was talking about how cute he was. And I saw him, like, drinking that cup of tea. And I was like, oh, <laughs> my God, what is it? That is cute. But is it really that cute? And then I watched it. And every five minutes, I am squealing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm... I was about to say One Direction, but that's so dated now. But you know what I mean? Like, just, like, I'm fangirling over this tiny little... Baby Yoda. It's probably a K-pop reference. It's more relevant, but I just don't know K-pop. Yeah, probably. Um, I kind of want him to be both my boyfriend and my son. (laughs) Like, because I just think he's... boyfriend. Yeah, I just want to hold his tiny little hand and walk down the street. (laughs) And just like, this is my boyfriend. Because I think he's wonderful. Um, 
yeah, no, I, uh, it's the hype. It lives up to the hype, which well, is shocking. That's what to I find me. crazy though is is that it is universally loved. Like mm. I've never seen anyone come out and go. Oh, baby, you're just terrible. He's ruined Star Wars, or it's like it doesn't work. I saw someone on Facebook being like, "Oh, yeah, I guess he's kind of cute, but I don't really get it." And I was like, "I'm so sorry, you're dead. Like, <laughs> I can't. No one can help you. Dead inside and dead to and me. And also, don't share your negativity because I'm not interested. But like, for this is a, what you talk about the Ewoks is the perfect example, and mm. the Porgs though. It's like, what about this? Penetrates that cynicism for everybody. There isn't a single person except for this one person you yeah. mentioned. I, I mean, because we, one, we know that Mando does care about him. Yeah. And so it's that emotional investment, um, which is wonderful as they develop this kind of, he goes from kind of just being this object, this pet on the side that he's like, he just, you know, leaves around wherever because he doesn't really know what the fuck he's doing. Um, but, you know, th- there is an affection there mm-hmm. beyond him just being like, oh, I don't want them to kill this little sad looking puppy. Um which is nice. And we, as we watch that relationship, yeah, we invest in baby Yoda as well beyond just the cuteness. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want him to survive. And so there's stakes when... I mean, he does have a personality in a big way as well. It's does, like yeah. I like the Porgs who are quite, kind of just... I mean, the Ewoks have personality. They're mischievous and mm-hmm. fun. The Porgs... But we don't know them just, individually though, really. I mean, Wicked, you kind of do. You get to know Wicked a little bit. But even then, there's, I think there is a little bit of a, a gap in mm. trying to see them as more than... Like, they are so primitive and like mm. teddy bearish is to it's mm. hard to personify them very much all they I all very similar as a child was a hug from an ewok that's all i ever wanted um, do they have ewoks in the um star wars disney land place thingy i don't think so oh well I'm, i refuse to go until they do so i can have a hug um but the other thing is that yeah the baby Yoda definitely has a personality. There's mm. a real mischievous nature to him, and it's mu- oh. most of it's just him being a toddler, basically, yeah. and just being not understanding. Yeah, not stuff. understanding, yeah. and just wanting to touch everything, mm. and like enjoying to enjo- enjoying a frog, <laughs> enjoying That's a frog, quite lovely pressing buttons. Yeah, like, but that mischievous nature definitely comes through. Mm. I also think, and that- also like a protective, a protectiveness that he feels. For the people that are looking after totally, him. Totally, yes. like, oh, okay. Constantly trying yeah. to heal or constantly trying to protect everyone around him. Mm. My One of my favourite moments is actually um, in terms of what it means for baby Yoda understanding his relationship to the Mandalorian, how much he wants to look after the him. The arm wrestle? Is when he, yeah, yeah. When, when Mando is arm wrestling mm. with Kara, 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 and force chokes her. Yeah. And like- a, it's just adorable every time he tries to do anything with the Force. Just the, the way he's like, three ears come fingers. down, three little fingers out. He shakes, his eyes are like half closed. <laughs> Fucking so amazing. So, so incredible. But, oh, I'm just with joy thinking about it, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like mm. he just perceives that as like a threat to Mando. Yeah. As like, well, it's, it speaks can- to his power and also, yeah, his the fact that he is a child mm-hmm. and not realising, yeah. I, I think the way they shoot the puppet is incredible as well. And it's, they are not afraid to Close put up. the camera. They oh. use it so effectively. I think one of my favorite sequences in episode two, when um, Mando is fighting the Mudhorn. Mm-hmm. And I've watched this series twice through, by the way. I haven't oh. said this. Yeah, I want to rewatch it. Um, I'm going to rewatch it and then great. cancel Disney Plus. <laughs> it's my plan. But like they sit the camera, they do this a few times, but this is the best example of it. They sit the camera like right on the edge of the pram. Mm. And they, because it's like widescreen. I wide love the pram anyway, design, by the way. It's great. Mm. 
but they like he takes up his face just sitting over the like the edge yeah. of the pram just takes up most of the frame including his ears mm. and like he's watching Mando being flown around and so he looks up yeah. and over and like they just need to cut it in into the action it's he's got the beautiful close perfect up. head shape for a widescreen shot does. show yeah. which is amazing <laughs> but like it just you understand everything you you mm. sense the vulnerability but mm-hmm. you're understand you know sense how much he's tracking what's going on oh. mm. It's so beautifully done. I want to share a little story uh, about Werner Herzog's relationship with Oh, yeah, the I've heard, heard the story, this. but please tell it again because <clears throat> I think the listeners need to know if they don't know. Uh, so I'll, I'll quote it and then I'll explain where the article came from. Um, after a take using the puppet, the crew got ready for another take without the puppet in case they decided during post-production the puppet, puppet wasn't convincing enough and a digital mm. version had to be substituted. Herzog had a reaction that is, an instant, that is instantly iconic. You are cowards, the director said. Leave it. Uh, The director made headlines earlier this month for admitting that the sight of the Baby Yoda puppet on set brought him to tears. Mm. I've seen it on set. I can only imagine. I wish you could do it in his voice. Mm. I've seen it on set and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreakingly beautiful. Herzog told Variety on the Mandalorian world premiere Red Carpet. It looked absolutely convincing. It made me. It made you cry when you saw it. Mm. This came from Werner Herzog called Mandalorian crew cowards for nearly replacing <laughs> Baby Yoda puppet with CGI via Zach Scharf at IndieWire. I'll put that in the show notes mm. as well. I just thought, yeah, Werner Herzog is onto it. Yeah. But the idea of just he like they're going to movies like, you cowards. Just hands off that baby. <laughs> put it back. <laughs> no one it. touch the child. <laughs> Leave it. Uh, so and amazing. I just love the constant use of the gif of him just saying, I want to see the baby. <laughs> I want to see the baby. I want to see the baby. baby. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like, no, it's sleeping. It's like, <laughs> we will be quiet. <laughs> he is so, so good. good. Like his- I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has some great lines as well. Mm. Shall we share a drink for bringing the end to our shared narrative or something like <laughs> yeah. that? It's such a Herzog line. Um, and his yeah. accent is just, oh, we could listen to it all day. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, is, do we want to talk about the mystery and the child as well? Obviously, mm. we don't know where he came from. We don't know what they want to do with him. Um, he can use the force, mm-hmm. um, but he tires quickly of it because mm. he's, while well, he's 50 years old, so he's still a toddler. because I'm not a huge Star Wars mm-hmm. fan, I don't know much about the... Extended universe, I guess, mm-hmm. or the lore. Um, so, are all Yodas Jedi? We don't know. We don't know. We've literally seen before Baby Yoda, we've seen two. Mm-hmm. There's Yoda, obviously. Yoda, Yoda. Yeah. Yoda, Yoda. Mm. Full-grown Yoda. And then we have Grandpa Yoda. Yoda. Mm. Ki- actually, kind oh, really? of. <laughs> there's this other Yoda person called Yaddle, I think. Mm. Y-A-D-D-L-E, who is on the Jedi Council. Um, at least in episode one, maybe in the other prequels. I'm not okay. sure. And so she just looks like kind of female Yoda. <laughs> oh, so um, she's in episode one. She's in episode one. She's on the Jedi Council. Doesn't say a word, but she's oh, there. I probably right do remember that. And so I back know. in the day when you're or like, does she have plaits? I don't remember what she looks like. No, she's just kind of like got um, like hair. I think it's long hair, but like him, it's like kind of starts in the center of his head mm. and then comes down the back between the ears. Cool. Kind of the back. Yeah, it's just it looks just like they put like <laughs> a female wig on uh, on Yoda mm. basically. Tonight um, at Drag Night, we have Yaddle. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Uh, so there is a second one. Mm. And of the two we've seen, they're obviously both Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Force sensitive. Cool. So it's they introduced a few new things. They introduced Force healing, which has never been in the movies or TV shows before, mm. as far as we're aware, which they then introduced in The Rise of Skywalker and theoretically breaks Star Wars. But that's a different story <laughs> for another time. Um, but... 
it does, yeah, we have a lot of questions. They talk about, at the end of this series, the Mandalorian's goal now. Mm. He's now a clan of two. Mm, the Mudhorn clan that. with him and, and mm-hmm. Baby Yoda, which I love. Can I just say? Yes. I saw on the interwebs that someone has already got that sigil tattooed on their already. arm. Already. I'm like, that's so fucking dangerous. Have we learnt nothing? Wait till the show is finished mm-hmm. and then get tattoos because you never know. Because John Favreau might leave. Yeah. But like the people behind it that have made it great, they might leave and it might turn to shit. So just, you know, hold off if you can, people. Are people naming their kids Baby Yoda? Or the uh, child. <laughs> or the child. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. <laughs> like a Daenerys situation. Mm. Just I can't wait. wait yet till we get those lists of the most popular baby names of 2020. Din Djarin is definitely going to be a Din name Djarin, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love the ending moment. This whole, We haven't even got to talking about Din Djarin yet, but the... The idea of like the of foundlings, right? Mm. Of if you are without parents, you're a an creed orphan, of foundlings. Mm. The creed of the Mandalore is that mm. you, when a child is left alone, they sort of take them mm. themselves. And now, do we know slash think that all Mandalorians are foundlings? Because there presumably are some they're man- not having a huge amount of sex if they're not able to take their helmets off. I mean, you can, but I, I didn't say there was anything wrong with that. They but I do that. I'm just assuming that perhaps there isn't a lot of intimacy within that creed. I'm hoping the, that this show, <laughs> The Mandalorian, is going to go into a little bit of details to what has happened to the, to Mandalore and the Mandalorians. Yeah. Well, with the man that we meet at the very end, I think we probably will. Yes, it seems very, very yeah. likely. From what I understand, like it's, what's interesting, and this is getting like deep into the lore of things, and again, I've not absorbed mm. all of it, but like doing a little bit of research is mm-hmm. what I understand. If you this whole idea of they can't take their helmets off mm. doesn't match up with what we've seen of Mandalore even from thirty years earlier, mm. right? So in the Clone Wars TV show, for yeah. instance, they go to Mandalore mm-hmm. and people are walking around without helmets on, right? But at the time, sort of like the warrior side of the Mandalores had disappeared, mm. right? They weren't; they were a peaceful nation gotcha. at that time. There so is, these Mandalorians that we're seeing are like the samurai Mandalorians, yeah? Where they it, like have taken that oath and kind of next level Mandalorians? There are different clans who mm. at different times had power. They had different goals. Mandalore was sort of a warrior race and that they've lost their way. They seem to go back to that for a while, but even then people are taking their helmets off. So it's like, it seems like what's happened, and I think this might happen in Rebels even, it might be even the end of Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, the animated show, Mandalore is under siege, mm-hmm. right? And the Empire is like wiping them out. Yeah. And so then you have the war that goes through the original trilogy. And then yeah. we're at the end of that now. And so you probably, it seems like there's this core group left mm-hmm. who are really like have become purists yeah. in the Mandalore culture. They're going back to like- I mean, if your culture's been destroyed, that probably makes sense, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, they don't even have a home world anymore, mm. it seems like. Yeah. Um, and Literally even, living in sewers, yeah. By the end of this, there seems to be very few of them at all. Mm. Maybe some escaped. We don't know what happened to the armorer. That may have been all the Mandalorians that are in the universe right now. Mm. There's even less than normal. And so the idea that they are kind of building their ranks through foundlings, which seems to be a part of their creed anyway, mm. makes perfect sense. And I love the idea. The title, The Mandalorian, not only refers to Din, Din, Din Jaren now, it also refers to Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's yeah, a Mandalorian now. That's true. That's what that moment at the end where he gives him the necklace and says, hold on to this is. Yeah. It's like, you are one of us. Yeah. You're a foundling. You're mm-hmm. part of the creed now. Mm. Um, though I do want to ask, how do we feel about the idea of children being 
taken and incorporated into this warrior race and then mm. turned into soldiers. Well, um, that's the thing. I as mean, opposed to like the stormtroopers in the new trilogy. Yeah. The two are the, kind of the same thing. Well, I don't think there's a lot of adoption options um, within the galaxy. Not that I've seen. I don't, like I said, I don't know the Probably larger Probably not in the lore. Outer Rim. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. on Coruscant. Um, so, well, that's the thing is like, are they, nece- I guess, back in the day, in their heyday, they may not necessarily have been turned into warriors. But because they are people without community, mm-hmm. adopting children who also don't have community and building one. And in the outer rims in this fucking galaxy, you need to know how to protect yourself. So unless you're going to be like a farmer or whatever, it's you know quite nice to know how to fend off attack. Mm-hmm. So in this universe, look, in our world, not a huge fan of child soldiers. Um, in this universe, it kind of makes a lot of sense, really, if you're finding kids that are totally isolated. I think episode eight does a good job of explaining that there are other options, right? Mm. So the idea here is that he's too weak to be trained up to be a warrior, baby Yoda. Mm. So either he comes of age and goes on yes. his own or you find their species. And mm. by that, they yeah. either mean Because Mando had to take the oath, right? And then he gets... His helmet? Is that what yeah, happens? Yeah. Essentially, he was trained up mm. in the fighting corps, I think they said. Yeah. But he obviously was his choice to become a, like mm. a Mandalorian warrior. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is there's no like real punishment. There's no severe punishment mm. if he decides not to be. Like if he stops, yeah. he takes his helmet off and creates a new life. He's yeah. just no longer able to put it back on. He's not that's a Mandalorian right. anymore. Yeah. Which, okay, that is severe if that's your culture, I guess. But mm. it's not like, oh, we'll hunt you down and kill you. Yeah. You know, that you... Yeah. you have, They're uh, not some sort of like creative, like, I guess, secret assassins. Like, yes, they are a warrior race, but they... You know, they are soldiers, but they're not kind of like secret society, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, it's sort of they've become that just by necessity of having to hide, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it is in a situation where, Do like, you're ha- either one of us or you're our enemy. It's like... Do they it- have names at all? Um... Yes. They as- do have names. I believe so. Okay. I think it seems like, again, what's happened here is they only go up one at a time now, Right. So, like, they're all sort of the Mandalorian. Does oh, that make okay. Sense? Gotcha. Um, right. that, like, they say that in episode one. Is like, that the, superheroes, or, like, passing on the mantle. Kind of. It's like mm. they can only go more of a day one job at a time. Vibe. Yeah. And yeah. so, when they all expose themselves as living um, mm. on Navarro, whatever it was, they've kind of fucked themselves over in a big mm. way for that. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of elements to that which aren't 100% clear, but also don't seem like contradictory to me. They're just not fully fleshed out yet. Well, that thing is like, I'm not like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, I just am curious because I don't know. It Mm. seems like anything that doesn't match up with what we've seen of Mandalorians in the past or seeing the animated shows and stuff is just because we haven't had an explanation as to how they got to where they are right now. And the thing is- They've undergone an extermination. Yeah, I have a lot of faith- because Dave Filoni at this point, I think, has proved himself to be really good at handling the overall lore of this stuff. Mm. Um, And that- I'm sure there is some sort of uh, sensible sort of continuation here. We just don't know it yet. Mm. Um, so, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, we should move on. The Mandalorian himself, Din Djarin, mm-hmm. classic gunslinger. What an arc. What a mm. classic, beautiful arc, though. He starts off a man on his own. He's interested mm. in the job. That's what he does. Yep. He's sort of- Going through the motions of what it is to- just trying to make it Be as a, a Mandalorian. He's trying to mm. earn his armor. He's trying to earn his uh, sigil. Um, just, you know, 
do it on his own until he meets Baby Yoda <coughs> and sees in him, recognizes himself mm. in Baby Yoda Flashback. essentially. Yep. Flashback to what happened to him when he was discovered mm. as a foundling. Yeah. And then from there, after at first trying to distance himself, just is at odds between the creed of the guild, the bounty guild, and the creed of the Mandalore. And well, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like he's going through the motions of, I guess, the bounty hunter creed, yeah. and then through Baby Yoda recognizes or remembers what he's a part of and mm-hmm. who he is, and it's filled with purpose again. And while you know it is like a transition, he's not immediately you know, the the person that saved him, he, he is, like, remembering to mm-hmm. have that purpose and why it's important, which is an awesome arc to have. I mentioned the first three episodes for me almost play like... I, I, I wrote down in my notes, it's like the fourth best Star Wars film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's just, we meet the Mandalorian, he meets Baby Yoda, mm. brings him back to Werner Herzog and then decides, no, actually, I can't let whatever they're going to plan to do to you happen mm-hmm. and you're coming with me. Incredible arc just in those first three episodes. Yeah. And from there, it's still their connection grows more and more. He's, he's a reluctant dad to begin with, but by the end of it, extremely, mm. you know, um, affectionate towards him. That's fantastic. Learning about his past as well. Do you know I'm a complete thickie? I did not understand what his problem with droids were for such a long time. I did not connect those dots whatsoever. What, the... From what happened to him as yeah, a kid. Yeah, I just, right. my brain saw battle droids. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about those droids being right, droids. Gotcha. I thought of them being like the separatist armies from like the Trade Federation, stuff mm. like that. And so in my mind, I didn't really think of them that way as being okay. like, until I watched I guess, it the second time, yeah. like instantly I was like, oh, that's. As not that's a huge like- fan of the world, I can't, I don't differentiate between yeah, droids yeah, yeah. except for like, you got your more kind of humanoid ones, and then you got your little R two D two types. That's that's about as much as I know. Um, so yeah, but that arc is is fantastic as well. Oh my god, was that just like ah <laughs> oh, the kind of the suicide the the kamikaze mission of what's his name IG eleven was just fucking amazing because you get this great thing where he's like. You know, blaze of glory, like pew pew pew, with Baby Yoda strapped to him. In so cool his on that ears, speeder. His ears flapping, and just joy, and you see his little teeth. And I screamed, <laughs> and I, I sent you a screenshot of that. I think the other day. You I was did, like, oh did. my god, so cute. Anyway, um, well, all these people are dying. It's wonderful. Uh, so that's cool. You're like, fuck, what a badass, and, it, and it's also cute. Once again, same thing with like Mando and Baby Yoda. Seeing it's like this incredible seeing this balance killer, this, of masculinity yeah. and innocence that mm-hmm. seems to go so well together. Mm-hmm. And it happens, as you said, with IG Eleven and Baby Yoda yeah. as well. But it, it, it's like it's always ever present in yeah, the show. I think, yeah, that that power with that fragility, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, which is so satisfying to watch. Um, so the fact that we get it again with IG Eleven is great, and then. The beautiful moment at the end with, you know, him, Mando pretending that he's not sad. Mm-hmm. And IG-11 be like, oh, I know you're sad because he's a droid. He's like... I'm a nurse droid. I've analyzed yeah. your voice. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then he sacrifices himself, which is so heartbreaking. And he does say, you know, well, I've never been alive, which broke my heart. And then he goes and kills himself and it broke my heart again. I was like, fuck, this is satisfying. What a satisfying finale. The Even before that, though, mm. and like that eighth episode... <clears throat> is an incredible like culmination of everything that's come before. It's been a lot yeah. of like little adventures, you know. You mm-hmm. look the first episode, Gang Baby Yo, the second episode with the Mud Horde, the third episode with all the Mandalorians coming out fighting, blah, 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 blah. But building, building, building slowly has been this mythology about 
Particularly episode four is really mm. good in terms of like what it means to take off the helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, that yes, he can take it off because a lot of people are asking, how does he eat? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, he takes it off in private, but he can't let a living person see this. Mm. And meanwhile, he distrusts droids to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. He just hate like having zero, I think it is, go on his ship mm-hmm. and like being the pilot of his ship and that. Hates that he yeah. hates that, all of that stuff. IG-11 cannot get over the idea this thing is just built to kill. That's all he knows droids to be capable mm-hmm. of doing. And so, to get to that moment in the in the cantina where he's injured and, like, he needs to take his helmet off to be healed. Mm. It's like, I cannot take this off. I can't let any living preacher see my face. Mm. I am not a living thing. Mm. And takes it off. Oh, the best. Oh, oh so yeah, good. Just, yeah, the planting of those little seeds is so... Satisfying. And not necessarily like surprising no. that that's where we're going. I'm not like, oh my God, this is, you know, so well thought out and I never saw it coming. It's not that. It's just like, yes, you see it coming, but fuck, it's like just it's satisfying storytelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's basic, but so well done. I also appreciate that they feel confident enough to have things like his name and his face be shown. You know, it's, it's almost like a, a little reward for watching the whole season. Mm. But it's not like we have to... Go the entire length of the show to find out his name is Din Djarin. Yeah, it's not see a, pa- like a season face. three reward when people stop watching. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like it's this is a full, complete story. You yeah. get all those elements and we can build off that into the mm. next it's season. It's not some big mystery box yeah, secret that needs to be revealed. No. And uh, the casual way that his name is said as yeah. well, I really like that. It's just like Din Djarin, mm. this, you know, ex-bounty hunter Mandalore. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's his name, I guess. And it doesn't oh, okay. speak to anything larger other than the fact that this villain knows so much information. Yeah. It's not because Din Djarin this is Doctor a Who. secret emperor of the <laughs> 19th quarter and his father betrayed the Mandalorians and that's why everything fell apart. It's like, no, he just knows your name, which tells you so much about the villain. Mm-hmm. Mm. Something else I liked about his backstory, though, we do see, you know, when he was saved by the Mandalorians, when his parents were killed. Mm. Something I like about that, just in the context of Star Wars in general, is the Clone Wars can often feel, at least in the movies, and I haven't watched the cartoon about it, mm. but it can often feel like victimless, right? right? It can feel like very cartoony. You look at especially the start or the start of the Clone Wars at the end of Attack of the Clones, mm. and yes, there are Jedi dying, but it's just like pew, 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 laser swords yeah. and like whatever everywhere, right? And just the ants being- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just cartoon soldiers versus cartoon robots and like mm. whatever. And similarly, at the start of episode three, there's an amazing space battle. It's actually one of the coolest sequences of the prequels. That's just Jedi's killing droids. And you mm. don't really ever get the sense of what the cost of the war is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so- They don't feel like soldiers. They feel like characters in a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly right. And you just- For a war, you just mm. never feel like- Like in episode four- you mm-hmm. see Alderaan being blown up yeah. and you're like, oh, that's a big deal. Even though we never see anyone on mm-hmm. Alderaan, mm-hmm. through Leia, yeah. we understand yeah. what that means. And now through Kara. And now through Kara, yeah. what a great mm. place for her to be as well. An yeah. ex-Imperial shock trooper who defected the rebels. Alderaan. Because the Empire blew yeah. up Alderaan. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Simple but just elegant. But yeah, through Din Djarin's childhood story... We get to see for the first time, I think, at least in live action Star Wars, mm-hmm. what the clone was meant to people who live in the universe. Like, this is fucking scary. Giant battle droids are coming through and mm-hmm. tearing the place apart. Yeah. Killing 
innocent people. We've never seen that before. Mm. And even through, is it Kara or Kara? I'm not sure. I think they've yeah. said it kind of both ways. I'm going to say Kara just because mm-hmm. that's just how it naturally comes out of my <clears> mouth. Um, but even through her, just like the aftermath of being a soldier in that war. And like, yeah. you know, she sees that giant fuck off gun. She knows what it means. She kind of, but before we get to that point, absolutely wants nothing to do with anything that's going on with either like, you know, Imperial forces, Empire forces. She's just not interested. She's mm-hmm. like in the outskirts, just trying to live her life, get some money, whatever. Um, yeah, I thought she was a great character to have in it. I liked her a lot as well. Mm. Um, played really well. I'm not super familiar with the actress. I think she's a... She's been MMA, I think. MMA fighter, yeah. But yeah. I've, I've never seen her before. She was awesome. That, a lot of charisma. Um, yeah. Just... A, Strong presence on screen and, yeah, holds mm. her own really well. I liked Kara a lot. I hope we see a lot more of yeah, her. Yeah, I thought she was a really cool character. I don't think she's the greatest actress No, 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 no. Um, and, yeah, kind of like that. But ho- it fits with, like, the, again, we've talked about, like, the dorky tone. of. Well, that's what I'm, yeah, stuff. I was yeah. about to say, like, that hokey kind of vibe. Mm. And it, it, it meshed with that. And there was something kind of charming yes. about that sense of, you know, yes, yeah, you can tell she's, not a, an experienced actress, mm-hmm. but I just really enjoyed watching her. Agreed. And it was really fucking amazing to see. And Angela and I were having a conversation while we were watching the, the Fishing Village episode. Yes. Was it was so satisfying to see a strong woman who actually looks strong, whose arms are big and yeah. muscular. I'm like, I'm watching them fight and I believe that she can fight him. Hold her own, yeah. Which is like, it's because so often they stick thin. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina which, Carano, by the way. Yeah, which doesn't speak to muscular strength. I'm like, it's so unrealistic. Um, sure, they might be trained in some sort of martial arts, but if it's like brute strength that we have to say, let them look muscular. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to see. Definitely. Um, IG-11 as well, just before we move on mm. from that, there's this interesting idea that's brought up <clears throat> towards in the last couple of episodes about the inherent nature of droids and that they mm-hmm. are a reflection or neutral reflections of those who program them. Mm-hmm. So after he's killed in episode two, episode one, sorry, um, Quill, the character mm-hmm. played by Nick Nolte, takes him, rewires him, reprograms him to yeah. be a nurse droid mm-hmm. <clears throat> or to, to be like a, a sort of work for him, which is interesting as well because somebody came from indentured servitude and yet has now programmed a droid to do those sorts of things for him. Can anyway. you program a droid to be free? I I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. Was IG-11 certainly Can was- Can you program purposeful, <clears throat> a lack of purpose? Well, Star Wars, a solo a Star Wars sort of story certainly mm. suggests that you can. droids can gain independence. There right. is a whole storyline about that yeah. involving Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character mm. about droid independence and like mm. um, <clears throat> not being used as mach- as just workers anymore. Well, the fact that he came from being, I guess, brain dead into like he could barely walk and stuff. Who knows? Maybe in the future he might have gotten there. Possibly. But Until then. I yeah. wasn't too concerned. It just occurred to me mm, then. It's like, right. oh, that's an interesting moment for him. But I like- It feels like- very Hermione and Spew right now. Sure. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. giving me. Yeah. I'll take that. Mm. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, but the idea that, yeah, they, the droids aren't inherently good, bad or anything. They just reflect the people that build them and, mm-hmm. and program them, which I think is a beautiful reflection. Metaphor. Metaphor. Oh, for what we get with Yoda. For Baby what Yoda. hopefully we're going to see a lot more of going <laughs> forward. I think so. And it's going to be interesting to see Din Djarin, yeah. Mando, take on 
that role of being a parent yeah. to this extremely powerful. Well, that's the things that we haven't, we've seen kind of the novelty factor of baby Yoda's powers. Um, the fact that yes, he has incredible strength as well as healing capabilities. How do you raise a child so much more powerful than you? Mm. <laughs> like that's going to be interesting as he gets older. And something you just do not understand at all. Like mm. the force it's at magic this point to seems to be like, uh, the idea of the Jedi has mostly been wiped out from the universe at this point. Mm. Well, at least on like the fringes where these people are living. Mm, sure. They're not super familiar with it. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a problem Star Wars has had for a long time. It's like 20 years or 30 years past and apparently everyone's forgotten who Jedis are. Mm. Like they were everywhere at one point. And now they're just like a myth. It's like yeah. whatever. I don't mind that so much. If it was on like one planet, sure. But an entire galaxy, it doesn't... Sure. It's I also, mean, And the dissemination of information was, when you've been under... Like oppressive, oppressive rule. rule. Kind of that makes sense. Yeah, to me. you wonder about what the that. Imp- I don't think that was spreading. You know, information about a very powerful group of people that could destroy them. Well, at first they were made out to be traitors, mm. and then they were probably just decide to like let's scrub their existence because they don't work. Mm. You know, they shouldn't be talked about. Basically, yeah. at that point, people either mm. chose to forgot or just mm. weren't ever. And I yeah, I understand this. That you, they would just be a myth because if you, you've never seen a sure. Jedi, if you heard someone be like, oh, and this like, you know, soldier came in and like was throwing people up with just like, you know, his mind and stuff, you'd be like, sure, that happened. Yeah. Absolutely. The propaganda can be that they created this mythology around it, but that was never really true. It's sure, like, they were great soldiers or whatever, but they weren't magic. They used the idea of the force just to sort of um, bolster their mm-hmm. own importance yeah. and it was actually yeah. all BS. Scare, like opposing forces. Totally, kind of totally. And yeah. so you just go, well, it was never really true. Yeah. People seem to have a huge issue with like the timeline of like when, yeah, the Jedis were destroyed and like people's um, disbelief at their existence. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't seem that crazy to me. I wouldn't believe that Jedi's existed either. Uh, but yeah, I'm very interested to see what they do with that father, son, father, we don't know, daughter, father, child role going forward. They use male pronouns, but I'm kind of hoping for a reveal that Baby, baby Yoda is actually a little girl. Ba- a baby Yadel. Yeah. Baby uh, oh, yes. Finally, I right now, unless there's something else you particularly want to talk about, there's Quill. The Nick mm-hmm. Nolte character oh, who him. shows up in episode one originally. Uh, he finds Mando when he's being attacked by... Is that episode one? Yeah. yeah oh, a lot one. happens, yeah. And into episode two. Oh, of course, yeah, because then he helps him That's with right. the... With the Jawas. Um, which I love that design, by the way. Too. I think it's so cool. <laughs> and the- we're just watching him on the bucking boop, boop, boop thing was amazing. On the... Oh, when he's on, on the gnarl or whatever it's the called. The bipedal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those things are weird. They're fucking cool. I loved them. <laughs> and the fact that he's just got a ranch of them. Yeah. And then one of them dies when they go off planet and I was so upset. Two of them, I think. Oh, even. two of them. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Now I They get feel attacked by, I think they were Minox. There was some sort of <sighs> flying alien Because you thing. know you lo- he loved them. And yeah. It made me sad. Yeah. Uh, I just liked that character. Um, uh, I don't know. Not a lot of depth to him, I guess. But you certainly become very affectionate towards him. The idea mm. that he just helps the Mandalorian because he's interested in the myths of the Mandalorian. Yeah, and, and like, and he prides himself on the skills he has taught himself. Yes, and I really love it when we find out that he was, you know, a slave, mm-hmm. and he was able to buy his freedom. I found that fascinating. I thought he was a really interesting character, and I fucking cried when he died. Well, that choice, that thing is, he set up this life. You know, on his own, he was perfectly mm. content. It mm-hmm. seemed like all he wanted was peace yeah. after being a slave for three human lifetimes, whatever it was. Mm. 
and then chooses to help the Mandalorian, who helps him, but then to go back and help him with baby Yoda mm. and then to die in the process is so sad. That ending of episode seven mm. where you just see his hat on the ground. Oh, no, you see the body. You see yeah, he's you dead. Yeah, you see him and it fucking, oh, my God, I lost it. I was just like, I was crying and Angela turned to me. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, he was such a nice man. He like, was. he was just like, he was so like, he, he just wanted spoken. to help. And, oh, that's my favorite thing. I, I just spoken. I just want to use that all the time. I have spoken and just walk away. Uh, I also thought like the little moment at the end, you just see the pile of rocks where Mando is buried, Quill, yeah. and his little hat. Yeah. That was like, there are characters who have died in Star Wars in like the movies and stuff who have got less than that. Mm. Like it was nice to just see, he's not forgotten. He's, no. pre- he's appreciated. He gets his little, you know. Yeah. I think what they do with characters character particularly side characters is really great we spend you know usually one episode with them um and then we and it's always sad in that episode because we're like oh i'm having so much fun with this character Mm -hmm. and then we leave them like no and then they do the great thing where we get the band back together which is cool and you're like oh yeah i'm so glad to see you again and then with quill to lose him in that way I just I thought it was really effective. It's interesting to have the episode before we get the band back together for the final two episodes. Mm. We have the episode where they go and uh, break into the Republic prison, the Republic Ugh. prison, mm. and but he's with all his like ex mm. bounty hunter ex types, crew. Yeah. yeah, and that world he's left behind mm-hmm. that he's now realizing doesn't fit in anymore. He's choosing to step away from that. Mm. Why that's such a bad situation for him um, was well placed to sort yeah. of. I think that was one episode, whereas I, I get what you're saying, like, you know, he's left that bad world behind. Mm-hmm. But He's challenged in different it, ways too. Even what we saw of him in that first episode, I, I can't picture him ever being with those people. I think because the way that those characters were both written and I think performed, I found so annoying <laughs> and jarring. Sure. I, I honestly, I really didn't enjoy that episode. Sure. I found it too basic. I think I I get what you're saying. Mm. It's one of them, it's in the bottom tier for me. Yeah, it's not I, my couldn't, least I couldn't stand episode, those characters. I was the way that they were written and performed was so obviously like, oh yeah, we're bad guys. Sure, sure. That it, it made me go, you guys, they just seem like losers to me, and not sure. in like an interesting way. Just I was just kind of embarrassed about the whole thing. I was like, mm, this is not a great episode, or th- particularly interesting to me. I thought the performances were better than the episode beforehand, though. The they, the when they go to Mos Eisley and there's that like the wannabe Han Solo guy. He's oh yeah, terrible, yeah. <laughs> terrible. Do you Ming have Na's my- in that episode, isn't she? Yes, Ming yeah. Na is in that episode. Yeah, I just uh, always enjoy it when she turns up in anything. Totally, wish mm. she got more to do than mm. just being oh, killed yeah. very quickly by a complete loser. I might add. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Grief Karga, Carl Weathers. Disgraced magistrate. I love Carl Weathers. <laughs> I love him so much. I love it because I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. For me, like my touchstone Happy for Gilmore. Carl Weathers. Well, yes, I've seen him in that. Oh. Really, it's yeah, um, Arrest Development. Oh, Maybe, yeah. You guys are still going. Yeah. And I feel <laughs> like true. that is exactly the character we get here. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they had a little recipe to show the Mandalore. It's mm. like, baby, we got still going. <laughs> Take <laughs> off your helmet. Totally uh, leans into that. I do love his moment, though, with Baby. He was like... Hey, baby, do the hand oh, thing. Do the hand thing. Do the hand. And he's doing his, like, three fingers out. Do the hand thing. Oh, I love that. Mm. I I enjoy the cheesiness and the tongue-in-cheek nature of that yeah. character, but I don't have any deep thoughts about 
grieve Kaga. No, it's just like it's one of those shows where it's just nice to see a familiar face. Mm-hmm. Like when they do pop up, you're like, oh, I know you. Because the world, because it's such a big world that they've made for us. You never know where we're going to go. So when we do see something that we know, it's like, yay, this is going to be fun. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, I have one. Mm-hmm. It's always a pleasure if I have an excuse to talk about happy endings. Oh, yeah. And in this show I do. Because Adam Pally from Happy Endings, which is, by the way, one of the best comedies uh, that was on television. And mm-hmm. If you haven't watched it, everyone needs to go watch Happy Endings. It's one of those shows that gets better and better every season. Anyway, Adam Pally from that show plays one of the scout troopers that punches Baby Yoda in the head. He does. What pricks. <laughs> I know. Uh, and also- It's a great scene though. Uh, Ludwig Granson did the yes. score for Happy Endings mm. as well. So, there's oh, a few little Happy Endings yeah. things in there. Uh, that scene is just- That opening scene of the last episode- What fun. Is so good. Have you ever watched Red vs. Blue? <laughs> yes, you made me watch it when I had a crush on you in high school. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Don't, I know, I enjoyed it. That that sort of whole sequence between two completely masked stormtroopers just talking mm. about the banality of like yeah. their job is so Red versus Blue mm. in a way that I really enjoyed. I love the bit. As much as it now makes it canon that stormtroopers are terrible shots. It's not just a joke we make yeah. anymore. Well, they even mention it in like the prison episode when like the old um, Empire assassin guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, turns yeah. around and he's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper because yes. to imply that he's a bad shot. Yeah. But watching them, like, yeah, try and shoot the can and just, yeah. like... Just, <laughs> it's so far. Like, it's so the close shakes. to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, so funny. Uh, I really, I'm surprised really they didn't fall over and, like, hit their head on something or whatever. Yeah. Mm. It's... I gotta say, though, Obi-Wan's line in episode four now never makes sense anymore. It's like, and these these blaster shots, too precise for Tusken Raiders. Like, how bad a shot at Tusken <laughs> Raiders, then? Uh, I love the concept art over the end credits of every episode. Oh, it's so beautiful. I want all of them I, on my wall. Well, I imagine there'll be a book eventually, mm. which would be very cool. But as a way to like... Do you remember how 90s and even 80s shows would have like... And even, even some 2000 shows would have still shots from I the episode. Do. It's like that, mm-hmm. but like and updated I'd, to be and beautiful. And I'd love to sit there and watch them like, I remember that scene from five minutes ago. And I remember that scene from five minutes ago. Yeah. Totally. It's got that vibe to it mm-hmm. while doing something fresh and yeah. original. And just, it adds a sense of, uh, I don't know, just epicness or majesty to the show. Yeah. And, and even that. just artistry. You're like, mm, artistry. that was a fucking great It's scene. cool to appreciate that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And to, yeah, to see where these ideas come from. Yeah. Um, I really love the armorer, the character mm-hmm. of the armorer. Fuck, she's cool. She is cool. And I love her, like, well, armor. Yes. She just looks fucking cool. She, I love her voice. I don't know who the voice actress is or the actress in the suit, mm-hmm. I assume. Um, yeah, no, very, very well done. Um, I do have... And she was like a nice way for us to learn <laughs> the things that we need to learn. Oh, yeah. She's understand. sort of like the, the keeper of the lore, essentially. Yeah. Um, no, she's fantastic. I do have to wonder, though, that scene with her at the end mm. um, where she's just... Our heroes are leaving. Mm-hmm. She's left them behind. Five stormtroopers, something comes in. She kicks their she ass. She smashes them. And then... And she, like, literally breaks one of the helmets, which is cool. Mm. And then we, she's sort of done. They're all, you know, incapacitated. And then we cut away. It's like... Mm. As much as that seems fun, it kind of seems pointless. What are you? What are you? What are we learning there? Except that she's a badass; she can fight. I think the possibility there is that um, she may survive, and we can see her again. 
True. Yeah. Um, played so when by pops- Emily Swallow, by the way, is the yeah. name of the actress. So when she pops up in season two or season three, we know that we're not like, oh, well, she died. But like, oh, yeah, which is quite possible that she lived. Yeah, I d- mm, mm. It, now it and feels also, like the possibility. And also, for a fun adventure a- show, sure. that there's your reason. Okay. It's a fun adventure. Okay. We want to watch her do a badass fight scene. Sure. Uh, you were talking about the Jawas. What, again, was it you loved about the Jawas? Was the, just in general, that episode? Did I talk about that? Uh, you did briefly. Oh, one, the, is that episode one? Episode two. Episode two. The, oh, that's right. Cause they're walking through the desert. Yes. One, I love them. I love their cute little voices. Uh-huh. I love seeing children walk around in dressing gowns. It's awesome. Um, but then like the action sequence is really fun. Just uh, yeah. watching like this really capable fighter kind of be thwarted by these children in dressing gowns. But it's it just fun to watch. felt totally reasonable too. Yeah, because like, he was clumsy as fuck. It's a hard thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, like they've created this thing that like, yes, they're small in stature, mm. but they are many in number and yeah. they have this incredible fortress. It's like, yeah, it would be hard to mm-hmm. to get your way under there. Yeah. And there's a lot of comedic, va- comedic value in that, but I, I just really appreciate they can take something like the Jawa and, and I don't know, spend so much time with them and it didn't, feel like pandering it mm. felt like oh we're getting to see a side of these yeah or properly explore what that culture is they a little bit that fucking egg that fucking egg suba whatever they're saying <laughs> the fucking egg is so funny and so gross and so weird when they're just like just plunging their little <laughs> like oh yeah. so crazy I, I love that sequence that was really good <laughs> and like for a second episode too mm. to have it like because it's we've stepped right away You'd expect he's just going to go back with Baby Yoda at the next episode. Mm. And then we've got like, okay, got a hurdle. Jawas have stripped his ship. Let's have mm. a little side adventure with that and the mud horn. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I love, you hated the episode, but I love the strobe sneak up that the Mandalorian does mm. um, in the prison episode. That mm-hmm. was a cool action that sequence. Cool. I love the Tusken Raiders using sign language. Yes. That's such a cool idea. Mm. Tusken Raiders are always presented just sort of being these barbarians, but the idea mm. that people just don't, can't be bothered to communicate with yeah. them or negotiate with them and if you take a second you know they're reasonable to learn about yeah who they about are about their, their culture. culture you know yeah. i think he says they think they're the locals it's like oh so you're suggesting these are a native race that like mm. people have colonized yeah. mm, that's interesting, interesting perspective mm. um i love the r2 fairy droid with the lanky arms and legs oh yeah that was cool that's a cool little like that just- was it was terrifying when it started to rise up i'm like <laughs> what the fuck it's a monster and then i realized it had a purpose for that yeah but it was like, totally original and yet built off that things were already mm, new. Mm-hmm. Very, very clever. Uh, just a line I really liked. Bad news, can't live here anymore. When he comes back from... They go to look for what's in the forest in episode four mm. and they find out it's uh, an ATST. Oh, he yeah. comes back to the village and it's just like, bad news, can't live here yeah. anymore. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a solution. You have to Fair. move. I um, mean, and because for him, someone who probably has never had a home, it's not... A thing he's like, oh yeah, you, you just can't live here anymore. Yeah, they're like, um, where where the fuck do we go? <laughs> you already mentioned Baby Yoda on the speeder. Do you have any other favorite Baby Yoda moments? Obviously, the drinking, the drinking the tea, one, the playing with other kids and having friends, mm-hmm. friendship. Oh, simply his once again. I guess I just like dressing gowns. His like little robe that he wears, just. Oh, that character design is so fucking cute. One of my favorite memes mm. was just like. <laughs> Every mother watching their kids unwrap presents on Christmas morning. And it's just that picture of Baby Yoda yeah. with the dressing gown and the little thing of yeah, tea. That's it's so cute. the same energy. <laughs> that's very accurate. Or I, I, think I definitely was, have pictures of my mum in the 90s looking exactly like that. And the other one was like uh, every 
uh, character in Big Little Lies standing yes. on their balcony. Standing on their balcony the- at like 6 a.m. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Very good. Uh, um, just seeing his little hands, seeing his little teeth. Yeah. Um, oh, the first time he uses the force against that big... The mud horn. Mud horn, thank you. Um and he collapses. He's yeah. Like, he's like, just the way he just sort of like sits down. He's just like, I can't he's, stand it anymore. And his Plop. little eyes are just like squinting and he's just like, oh, I can't. Oh, fucking hell. Fucking hell. When the, they're taking him away, when he takes the baby Yoda back mm. to Werner Herzog and he just looks out of his little pram back at the yeah. Midland, Or the little hide oh. and seek game he plays with the... Zero droid or whatever it's called. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I any, love any scene with Baby any scene, Yoda pretty is much. And just like I enjoy watching Amy Sedaris get to like talk to Baby Yoda. That was yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah. I'm talking about how terrible Mando is at being a father or just a simple caregiver. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, that's one side note. I was very happy to see Amy Sedaris in this. I just think she's fucking great. I think she she's is great. a genius and it was nice to see her have some fun in the Star Wars universe. Isn't it cool to see those? And I wonder how much more we'll get of that going forward because I imagine everybody wants to be in Star Wars mm. in some way. Well, you can't get into had, a movie. What, Bill Burr and Amy Sedaris and stuff. So yeah. I'm sure there's, and Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally and stuff. So I'm sure. Richard Awadi and like on and it goes. Yeah. So I'm many. sure we'll have plenty of uh, people who love it or friends of people who are working on it that can just be like, oh, sure, I'll be in a Star Wars mm-hmm. thing. Absolutely. Okay. Question for you. Mm. Din Djarin. Mm-hmm. This man who never takes his helmet off, mm-hmm. his face is never to be seen by anybody, mm-hmm. has a manicured mustache and no stubble or mm-hmm. like beard whatsoever. What's the go with that? Maybe he likes it. He just keeps it there under his little Mandalorian he, helmet all the time. Maybe he likes it. Yeah. Guess Not every fine. kind of grooming thing that people do is for other people, Brod. Sometimes you just like things. Only he, that's just his little secret. It's like no one knows I have this beautiful Gomez mustache sitting under you this know, helmet. Sometimes I'm at home by myself and I just put on makeup because I want to. No one's seeing it. I like it. I like the way I look. Least favorite and favorite. But no, I get what you're saying. I'm just <laughs> being purposely abusive. Um, yeah. So what were you saying? Our least favorite and favorite episode. Okay, least favorite I've already mentioned is the prisoner episode six. Um, yeah, the because the fishing village one was an example of, yeah, that self-contained episode. We're meeting people and the characters are very basic and mm-hmm. stereotypical. Um, they certainly are not complex characters, but it was fine. It was enjoyable. But I think we get that in this one with the prisoner, but they are unbearable. Okay. Yeah, which I just, I found it grating. I found the performances grating. I found the writing boring. Did you think it was almost like too cliche or leaning into... Um, tropes that we know in that like it's not doing anything original with the idea it's just yeah and i think i've seen that before in bad shows yeah it yeah it, it wasn't yeah it could have been it should have been better sure mm. my least favorite episode is chapter five the gunslinger mm-hmm. uh written and directed by dave filoni which is a shame because dave filoni i think is a very talented man mm. um i hope he gets another shot to write and direct an episode on his own what happens in the gunslinger again uh that is uh the one on tatooine so it oh, does yeah. have Amy Sedaris in it, which mm. she's very enjoyable. Um, oh, that's right. You had the guy that you didn't like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have the many, many nods to previous movies, specifically episode four. That was um, nod heavy. Which people say that I think was at risk of being just fan service. I think, and yeah. some of them are like having the guy. Well, it's kind of has a narrative purpose because you instantly connect him to Han Solo, who is a much more competent mm. sort of gunslinger yeah. than that guy. 
Um, to have him in sitting in the exact same chair in a very similar way to Harrison Ford mm. is kind of cheap. But well, it seems like because I don't get a lot of the nods because I'm like, I don't remember that. I don't. I mean, I don't remember what I did yesterday. You know, that's the kind of person I am. That's how I live my life. Sure. Um, but the nods in that episode I saw because they're iconic whether you are a fan of Star yeah. Wars or not. Yeah. yeah. The shot from off the cliff of Mos Eisley is exactly the shot from A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Walking through the streets of Mos Eisley, I did appreciate like showing the differences of where we are now. Yeah, with the stormtrooper nowhere near as busy. The stormtrooper helmets, mm-hmm. one of my favourite. Like they walk into the cantina and they do like the shots of the different monsters, but they're different monsters what we're used mm. to. But most importantly, there are droids in there and the whole thing was like no, no droids, droids allowed. Yeah. And now there's not only droids in the bar, there's droids working, working behind the bar. Mm. Like things like that go a long way to just say, hey, yes, we've been here before, but things we've are different moved now. On. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy that. And I do enjoy that Ming Na Wen is in it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the Tuscan Ray using sign language bit. These are all things I liked. They want to be bounty hunter guy whose name I don't remember and don't care to. It's mm. just he's so grating and the whole episode centers around him. Mm-hmm. I found him completely unbearable, uninteresting. Fair enough. Like, yeah. Did nothing for me. And I also I just didn't felt find like him the, unbearable, the but that, I get it. Dialogue in general was clunkier mm. than normal. Like we talked about how that's almost part of the charm, mm-hmm. but this is where it sort of edged from being charming. You felt to like being... it got in the way of you, yes. your enjoyment. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite episode, Damas? I'm going to go with. It's hard, but I'm going to go with episode seven, the reckoning. It's Ooh. yeah, it's when like the band gets back together. Sure. I just I was excited. It ends with the death of Quill, which like just emotionally broke me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt tension when I need to feel that tension. Um, I felt excitement when I saw characters that I loved from previous episodes. And this was re- really the moment when I realized the all the little moments that we'd seen earlier were adding, adding to something up, yeah. larger. And I thought was a really cool realization for me. I'm like, oh, cool. All right. So in the this episode and the next, it's really coming to something, which is, which is you know, when I spoke about my spoiler-free review, feels like Buffy. So you got mm-hmm. your Monster of the Weeks, ultimately leading towards something bigger at the end, which yep. is cool. Yeah. Totally. Uh, my favorite episode is Chapter 8, Redemption. Mm, so the yeah, final oh, that was a season. close second, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, directed by Taika Waititi and written mm. by John Favreau. I mean, it's just fun. The opening with the scout troopers yeah. on the uh, speeder bikes is amazing, even though they did punch Baby Yoda. What the fuck is? Mm. Um, then Baby Yoda on the speeder we talked about. The action, particularly mm. IG-11's bit where he's coming into so fucking the cool. town is incredible. Uh. Um, just the, and like the way when he arrives, he sort of gets off the speeder mm. and then like people are shooting, or the stormtroopers are shooting him and he just like turns, the turns body around. around so that baby is on the other side. Yeah. I love such a good use of that design of that drawing. I love and that's the baby carrier too. that he's wearing. Yeah. Adorable. But then, yeah, the function of it because he can move his body as yeah. opposed, and keep his arms pointed and his head pointed one way. It's just cool character design. Yeah, it was awesome. In general, it's just been cool because things like the bounty hunters, right? Mm. Uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but like the bounty hunters show up in Empire Strikes Back. And from that, people have got attached to some of these mm. designs a lot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Boba Fett, who gets a little bit more, but has mostly been underused. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't do anything particularly cool. It actually I've goes down like a pleb in the fascination with Boba Fett. Right. But I, there's an IG droid, mm. is one of the bounty hunters in on the ship with Darth Vader as well. And it's like people have wanted to see these mm. characters on screen for a long time. Yeah. And so to see them not just realise, but realise so well. One thing I loved was like um, the way that Mando like travels with his bounties. is like he does put it in the... I'm so sorry. People are going to scream at me. The, the Carbon freezing. Now, that's yeah. something I struggle with a little bit, to I be honest. I enjoyed that a lot. 
because mm. sh- unless it's become it makes now common mm. technology, it wasn't a thing. Oh, it wasn't? So okay. the idea was that Bespin, like where Han Solo gets taken by Boba Fett, right, mm. is they didn't have any way to contain him. So they used something that wasn't made for that. Carbon freezing was made oh. to transport other things. And they were like, we'll put him in. Mm. He may die. Like, that's what he says. He's like, he's no use to me dead. And Darth Vader says, we will compensate you handsomely mm. if he dies. Mm-hmm. But... Well, I guess they figured out you can I live. guess it's now, now common, common technology. Thing. I mean, it's a great way to transport people. <laughs> sure. But it's just... it's. Weird that it's be- like it was this thing that was meant to be dangerous because it's not intended for that mm, reason. Right. It was meant to be unique. I didn't remember that bit from the film, but I just thought it was cool. I'm mm. like, cool. Uh, we get a little lore here, The Night of a Thousand Tears, which is the massacre of a bunch of Mandalorian recruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in general, just Mandalorian lore and the idea of the creed there. Uh, so much payoff and resolution. Mando's name of Din Djarin, Mando's face, Pedro Pascal, who would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um we just get lots of backstory on how he became a Mandalorian, why he hates droids, mm. the idea of removing his helmet moments, and what that means for him. And oh my goodness, it just goes on and on and on. There's so much there. Mm-hmm. The IG sacrificing himself. The bigger picture, Moff Gideon is introduced. Mm-hmm. We're setting up a lot for the future and the series going forward. And of course, the Darksaber. Yes. Which, Very cool. What's cool about that, mm. and this is where Dave Filoni being involved is so cool, that's got nothing to do with the movies. Mm. That is something that was invented for and introduced in Clone Wars. Yeah, once I saw it on screen, I'm like, that is something. And so I just looked it up. I've been reading and watching videos about it since I watched the episode. And completely (laughs) separate Mm. from the movies and the mainline Star Wars stuff. Mm -hmm. It has been developing its own lore. And now it shows up in this, connecting it back to these other animated shows that are all on Disney Plus that you can go back and watch. Mm, and in fact, yeah. Clone Wars is getting a new season this year, so that'll be interesting. Clone Wars in Australia is on Amazon Prime, isn't it? It's on both. Oh, it's on more. It's definitely, Clone Wars is definitely on, because uh, I was watching Disney episode Plus. last night. Disney Plus, cool. yeah, it's all, right. all there. Um, yeah, like, mm. what an episode. Do you have any predictions, hopes, concerns going forward? I mean, just after researching what the Darksaber is and mm-hmm. what it rem- represents symbolically, you know, it's kind of like a ceremonial saber um, for the leader, the leader of the Mandalorians. Yes. So that's probably a pretty important thing mm-hmm. um, that will come up in the future. And seeing as we've kind of, you know, spoken about that Mando might be the last Mandalorian mm-hmm. um, rebuilding a new people um, with the help of Baby Yodes and getting that ceremonial saber would be cool as like a resolution to the series completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume we're going to go continue to go planet to planet, finding out whether or not there is a planet of little Yodas running around, yeah. learning more about Yoda species if we can. Um, just a whole lot more adventure, I think. What about you? Yeah, so there's a def- definitely a lot there. Baby Yoda, we're going to... Well, it's unclear what the goal is going to be, and maybe it's going to change over time. Is he going to try and find other Yodas, essentially? Mm. Or is the idea, and they kind of suggest this, the idea of this sorceress wizard clan, the Mm. Jedi, Mm. are they going to try and find other Jedi? Now, based on the timeline of this, set five years after the end of Return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. Luke is probably getting ready to set up his Jedi school. That's true. Like, is Mm -hmm. that where we're going to end up? Like, leaving baby Yoda with Luke? Mm-hmm. That's a bit worrisome because I know what happens uh, to, yeah. to, to Luke's school. <laughs> Spoilers, yep. Yeah, um, but that is certainly exciting. Mm. The Mandalorians in general, yeah, is Jinjarin basically the last Mandalorian now? Moff Gideon introduced. 
we've got all these questions about what they want to do with Baby Yoda because mm. uh, Werner Herzog's character sent him to capture Baby Yoda or kill him, but his assistant alive, yeah. didn't want him alive specifically. Mm-hmm. That assistant is wearing an emblem from that the clones wear from Kamino in episode two. Okay, As sure. in uh, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, there's some cloning clone signs army going of on here. Baby Yodas, Do they want which be fucking sick? Yes. So they're creating like an army of Sith that look like Baby Yodas. Do they want to create? Oh! Do they want to clone him? Mm. Gideon's also got a very Vaderish costume, right? Mm-hmm. As Moff Gideon, we've seen Moffs before Moff Tarkin and whatever um, Ben Mendelsohn's character is in Rogue One. Mm. They don't tend to wear Vader like type stuff, I think. They're British just more like soldiers, officers, yeah. right? Even when he's got a cape, Ben Mendelsohn, it's still yeah. like all white. Mm-hmm. He, Moff Gideon's got a very Vader thing going about him. He's got the Darksaber. So, I wonder, because mm. they talk about extracting material from the child, which could just be mm-hmm. DNA to clone him. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder whether the idea is that Moff Gideon wants to become like the new Darth Vader. Like the idea wants is he to wants fill to himself with infuse himself with mm. midichlorians cool. or like... You know, yeah, Yoda's force-sensitive material and mm. make himself force-sensitive that way. That'd be cool. Something like that. I, is, I reckon you're guess. probably on the money there. I like that idea. Mm. Um, we also have the mysterious figure at the end of episode five, the one who approaches the body of Ming-Na at, at the end of episode five. Oh, I thought that was him. Was that not him? Not Moff Gideon. No. Who was that? Well, we don't know for sure, but based on the spurry sound of his boots... Which, no, no, what? no, you're wrong. What? John Favreau has already said it's not him. And on IMDb, it tells you that it's Moff, blah, blah, whatever his name is. It, that it's definitely not Boba Fett. Yes. I think that is an absolute lie. All right. We There's no reason for it to be Moff Gideon. There's no, there's no reason for it to be Moff Gideon there. It doesn't make any sense. The sound of the boots is identical to the sound of his boots in episode five. Mm. And the last we saw Boba Fett was in a Sarlacc pit on Tatooine. We went back to Tatooine where Boba Fett is. It is most definitely Boba Fett. You reckon? Or someone wearing Boba Fett's armor. But whatever it is, is, there's no way it's not. All right. I don't think it is, but okay. There's too many things suggesting that it's him. Uh, Who else would it be? I think it's that Moff guy. There's, there's zero reason for him to be there, though. I, I assumed he's just on the trail of our, man, our Mando. Then we would get... Wouldn't we get clues that suggest that it's him? Wouldn't we see other stormtroopers or something like that? We, we, well, get- we see his long cape, which is different to Boba Fett's cape. Boba Fett has a cape. Yeah, he has a cape. It's not that long, though. It's just too dark to tell. He, no, he it's, bends it's down. extremely long. It's the same length oh, as the Moff dudes. There's no it's way longer they're not putting than... Boba Fett in mm-hmm. The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I am convinced. Okay. And that's and I you know what? I hope he is in it. One, because I'm not interested in the character and I'd like to be, because everyone's obsessed with it. Well, that's the and thing, also, it's an opportunity to do it. I want you to be happy with oh, this show. Man. So if they it's do totally it, I'm, I'm down. Just if if they don't and he's got the the clanky spur sound, like it's such a deliberate nod. Sure. Oh man, that would be a completely waste opportunity. Why would you do that? You've got to understand. Is I just it don't possible believe- that this is internet nerds overthinking just a sound that has been used? No, because there's so many elements that, like, she's a bounty hunter. The sound is the the same one. It's, I don't <laughs> think it's used by other people. The mm. the place, the fact that we went to Tatooine of all places, mm. like they could have gone to any planet and done this same thing. He's a Bounty Hunter. Yes. And this takes place years afterwards. Why would he be in the same place? Five years. Because he might have just got out of the Sarlacc pit. 
because the last time we oh, saw him. Oh, I see him, what you're saying. Right? So it's like the whole idea was always that Lots he survived that. That's some insane that. timing, but sure. <laughs> sure. But like he might just be trying to get his shit together again. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. There's no way that's not Boba Fett. Okay. That's got to be Boba I mean, Fett. I think it's interesting he'd make it out of the pit with a fully intact cape, but sure. He might get a new cape. Maybe the pit, maybe the cape So he's didn't. still hanging around and he decided to go and buy a cape and then <laughs> hang or, out in the desert. Or like I said, it might be somebody else wearing Boba Fett's armour. Because the idea that's now being put forward, I was watching a Clone uh, Wars episode the other day, mm. is that Boba Fett and Jango Fett aren't Mandalorians. No, they're not. They just have Mandalorian yeah. armour. They got it from somebody. Yeah. That's Boba Fett's armour is Jango Fett's armour, just mm. that's degraded over time. Maybe someone else has taken this armour now. Anyway. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, also, it's I watched that scene again, the start of episode eight with the scout troopers. They're not necessarily dead. We might get those guys back too. I mean, I hope so. Can we get a spin-off? Sure. Uh, <laughs> they could just do a series. A workplace comedy. Fuck, that'd be that so good. That would be good. Yeah. I would love that. Let Taika Waititi. Oh, with, yeah, with Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis. would be fucking amazing. And just never take the helmets off. Yeah. Just the whole thing. Well, we don't need it. Yeah. I would love that. Thank you for very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons and me rant for a very long time about Star Wars. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their show to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S Damask. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, I think the plan is we'll be back to discuss, do a 2019 wrap-up off-topic, hot-topic episode. Mm-hmm. So we'll do some news and stuff that we've been meaning to get to for a while, maybe talk about what we've been watching, but also yeah. give our thoughts on 2019 as a whole, mm-hmm. as it surrounds TV. Mm-hmm. And then after that, The Sopranos Season 2? Sure. Why not? I think you I want just to- turn up every week. I don't know what's going on. You want to get to the L word. You still want to do that? You've been watching it week to week. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I don't think we should because it's so long and so terrible. It's so long and terrible. It's not even worth discussing. You can bring up an off-topic, hot-topic next oh, week. Oh, sorry. You mean the new season? Yes. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We'll do that. Oh, we're going to do it. Yep, sorry. Oh. I thought you meant go back and re-watch all the old stuff. Like, so, we'll do we Sopranos season two and then we'll come back to do the L word yes, the week you. after that. Uh, Fucking hilarious. Yeah. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. We have spoken. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so, completely. Yeah.